Cape Talk. The Fringe, only on late nights. Okay, so uh, as I've been promising you all evening, if you are somebody who has sat there and thought, you know what, you know what my body's missing? Uh, and that is a piece of metal through my nevers. Uh, well, then, before you do anything, uh, certainly don't give it a go yourself. Please, please don't do that. Uh, but before you uh, head out uh, and uh, and put yourself on a on a chair or on a table and 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 tell a pierce a piercer to do their worst, uh, you may want to just listen uh, to the advice of my next guest, uh, who herself is a professional piercer uh, and she owns Body Architect in Claremont. Liesl, welcome to Late Nights. It's great to have you on. Thank you. And, uh, I'm, and we're talking about piercing and I'm looking at uh, your beautiful face and the various <laughs> piercings that are adorning it. Uh, when did you first get into okay. uh, into different things? Um, so that was oh. your first piercing, was a nose oh, piercing? Nose, yeah. Hmm. Oh, well, I suppose my ears when I was about six, but that my parents took me to yeah. the OK Bazaars. It was quite a traumatic thing. There were three, well, I'm one of three sisters, so we all had to stand in a row and kind of witness each other's pain and, and <laughs> reactions. Yeah, That's so funny. I remember, my, I remember getting my ears pierced for the first time, and I think I must, I think I was, uh, what is that, eight or nine, and my dad had said, not until she's 16. And then during the school holidays, my mom, uh, we were in the hairdresser. My mom was getting her hair done and they, they, they'd started to do ear piercings. Uh-huh. And she, and I said, please can I have my ear piercing? And she was like, sure. And she got hers done at the same time. <laughs> and I remember going home, my dad just being like absolutely <laughs> livid that we, that we had her ears pierced and that, well, that I'd had mine pierced. And then, of course, I'd had mine done, and then my brother, who's who was three years older than me, um, you know, so like eleven, twelve, wanting to be cool, he then wanted his ear pierced, and then that turned into a whole other <laughs> all sorts kind of family of, dramas. That wasn't allowed, so he did it himself with a pin. I mean, it was like a whole a whole catalogue of disaster. But I remember like thinking, hmm, this is this is cool, and then I I've got so I've got my nose done, which I don't wear and haven't worn mm-hmm. for a long time. I had my belly button done when I was. Mm, I don't know, first year of varsity, so like 19, 20 or something. The worst pain I think I've ever experienced in my and life. discomfort while it heals as well. Incredible yeah. discomfort. Yeah, <laughs> a, a, a foolish error, <laughs> uh, a young error. Um, and then, in fact, I say it was the most painful. I think the top of my ear. Definitely. <gasps> and that's the thing, you know, like people kind of, when they think of certain piercings, they'll think of, I don't know, maybe more extreme things like genitals or nipples to be more painful, but definitely and definitely the most popular piercing at the moment is the one on the top of the ear in the cartilage called the helix. Is it because it's in in cartilage? It's cartilage. That, yeah. yeah. And, and it's you also can't sort of lie comfortably. Exactly. And, and it extends. It's like the furthest extending part of your head. Mm. So you bash it on everything. You oh. always, you know, so that's the reason why they're so temperamental. I always think of them as like teenagers going through tantrums or something yeah it's that, it's that kind of piercing that just doesn't settle down and is constantly angry and yeah so in, in addition to being somebody who likes getting them you also do them that's that's what you do that's what i've been doing for the last 17 years for the last 17 <laughs> years how does one get into piercing and and presumably you don't start with genitals i'm imagining <laughs> that you start with ears <laughs> i think my first piercing was a tongue um i, I was quite fortunate in the moment because I was working at Green Market Square at the time at a restaurant and the piercing main piercing shop in the area which was probably the only piercing shop in the area at the time they would all come for breakfast at the restaurant so I kind of knew they were and eventually I was like you know I dropped out of university and like I was trying to start my own clothing company but then I needed more money so I was like hey don't you have like a space for a receptionist 
And they agreed. Yeah. And that kind of started. I worked at reception for about six or seven months. And then I started training. So I was off in an apprenticeship really quickly. But I think it was, I was so keen. I was so intrigued by what I was seeing. Mm. And also, I think the joy that comes when people sit down, you know, completely enveloped by fear. And when they leave and they just feel so much sort of stronger in their own body and mm. actually aware of their own skin, which I don't think often people are conscious of, you know. Yeah. Well, not often, but... Yeah. So do you remember who that who that person was whose tongue you the first piercing? Oh gosh. Yes, I do remember. She was actually one of the waitresses at the restaurant that I worked at. Right. <laughs> um and I remember setting everything up and my master or my teacher was standing behind me. And obviously I was quite terrified because I knew the person I was piercing and I thought in you know it would be easier to pierce a friend, mm. but it really isn't because you care a little bit more so mm. it's you know um, so I prepared everything, marked everything, had everything in position. I had the needle under a tongue because you would pierce yeah, from the bottom yeah. up. And I remember just freezing with the needle just <gasps> the tip against the skin. And I was Ooh. shaking so much that I was kind of lacerating. And there was just, yeah, you know, there was blood. And then I panicked. And Is I there meant to be it. blood? Um, they, they can bleed. Okay, I mean, yeah. blood with piercings on, it's not like a foreign thing. Yeah. You know? And I think a lot of people have an idea that things shouldn't bleed because of being pierced by guns where mm, jewelry mm. is shoved through and obviously blood only comes out a lot later whereas with piercings you know I mean there's so many little blood vessels in areas you can expect some blood yeah, yeah but that was just me shaking and cutting the bottom of a tongue for about three seconds and then realizing <laughs> I can't actually do this yeah at which point my master or teacher stepped in and did it for me are you still friends um well I worked can she him. still speak oh I haven't seen her for years, but we're polite when we see each other. Yeah. I mean, What's she doesn't the, hold it against me. What's the danger with, are there any dangers with a tongue piercing? Like what can go wrong? Not really. You know, I mean, I've gone as far as like bifurcating tongues where you're actually splitting the tongue. Yeah. So if you think about it that way, the tongue really is two muscles. And yes, things can go wrong if people aren't informed or told how to look after things. Um, the worst thing I saw was an infection. Like I think the, I came in on the Friday, had his tongue pierced, then proceeded to have like some wild techno party for the rest of the weekend, doing all the drugs and came back on the Monday. And honestly, it looked like there was a Wilson block and, you know, the sweets stuck on on his tongue. And we were like, we couldn't see the jewelry. So we thought that maybe it had come out and it was just blood, but it wasn't that. (laughs) So, yeah, actually the jewelry had pulled in, everything was swollen, but this was like so long ago, you know. I think it was when rave was a thing. Yeah. So we're talking late 90s, early 2000s. So I think yeah, people weren't as informed as what they are now, you know, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's extraordinary to me that your first piercing was a tongue and not ears An or ear. something. Yeah. And ears seems like the least, the, me- the least amount of trouble. Not at all, actually. You know, and I was saying this recently because I've, um, my partner is actually apprenticing with me now. Mm. Um, and the amount of earlobes we do has increased insanely in the last like few months. Suddenly everybody wants second and third holes. Uh-huh. And it's honestly the hardest thing to do because you've got to find symmetry where there is no symmetry. Like nobody's ears are the same, yeah. you know. And secondly, you've got to get the angle right and ears, you know. So it's it's quite complicated, actually. Like the tongue, it's one piercing You don't, you know, as long as you're getting it straight and you find that there are no like sort of blood vessels in the way that mm. you're going to hit you're fine but earlobes can be tricky and there's so many planes and angles that you have to be conscious of yeah but with any piercing i guess 
always be conscious of the angles. <laughs> what is the training that you have to go through to, to pierce? Because I'm assuming, and, and again, I guess this is probably in a, I would have assumed that an ear is the easiest thing to pierce and perhaps a clitoris is not the easiest thing to pierce. But I mean, do, are there different types of training that you have to go through for each part of the body? And is there any part of the body that you can't pierce? Okay, so basically the training is very much whoever you're, you're apprentice under. You know, so you're limited by their limitations. Sure. Um, I was, I'd imagine, apprenticed by pretty much the pioneer in Cape Town um, who really was interested in trying different things. And obviously mm. from there, I took it further, um, taught myself different things. Um, parts of the body that you shouldn't pierce. I mean, for me, there's certain things like... I've seen things like eyelid piercings, you know. Um, I've seen anal piercings where it actually enters the anal opening. Right. Um, I've seen... There's quite a popular piercing at the moment, which is kind of um, horizontal through the tongue, which Ooh. appears on Instagram and everybody's like, you know, kind of... I think they're called snake eyes. Right. Which I do think is... Possibly oh, yeah. one of the least intelligent piercings. So, no, it goes this way. Yeah, so, yeah, so you have so little balls mm, on either yeah. side. Yeah, and obviously I try and educate people when they want this because it's going to ruin your teeth, obviously. Firstly, you can't pronounce things the way you need to. Yeah. It really limits and hinders you. So, you know, I wouldn't recommend that, but people are keen to do it, and I've done a few. But, yeah, I think anything that kind of exposes, so like the anal one, for example, or the eyelid, you causing irritation in yeah. areas where there shouldn't be you know and you're exposing a wound to feces in yeah anal piercing so it's just a little bit like i think risque and unnecessary it's more like sometimes things are pierced to show off that mm. look what we've done you know not like we thought this through and this is a great yeah idea. that's yeah. going to be permanent it's usually just a temporary thing you know? right do you think that people <clears throat> get addicted to piercings in the same way that i've heard people i don't have tattoos but i've heard that people get kind of I mean, not addicted in terms of crack, but I mean addicted to the thing of, of having a piercing or having... I always struggle with that idea. I think piercing, because it's it's a lot more of a, a quick fix and a, quite a rush, like an mm. instant, because you get the endorphin rush. So perhaps in that way, I could say people are more prone to getting more piercings. Mm. Um, I've, I struggle with using the word addiction lightly. Um, and then, yeah, as opposed to tattoos, which obviously costs a lot more money and, you know, so I think, yeah, but I, I'm not sure about addicted. Mm. I mean, I'm sure, yes, you know, they're addictive personalities and people would be interested in, but I've never had somebody go like, please don't like do this if I come back in next week, like, please just don't pierce me, you know? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. It's never yeah. that kind of thing. It's usually more <laughs> of a stepping into yourself and more of a, like an en enriching kind mm, of, you know. Mm experience I'd yeah, say or something yeah. about growth or personal strength mm, or, yeah mm. if you are just joining us Liesl Ellick is my guest in studio this morning uh, and she is a what's the official term piercer Body piercer, piercer, modification artist. Ah, but I like, yeah, body <laughs> modification artist. That's, that's what I like. Talk to me about the, I've always been fascinated by, what are these called that you've got in your ears where it's, where you've, where the hole is the lobe, if that makes sense to people listening? <laughs> where, so, where once there was a lobe, there now is a hole. <laughs> so it's just a stretched lobe and you can really stretch any part of the body that's pierced. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I see that you've you've also had this a bridge what, piercing, a bridge piercing yeah. on the top of the nose. Yeah. I've honestly had all the things, but I think as you kind of get older, things well for me, certain things become uncomfortable. Yeah. And 
irritating. So there's a bit not of quite as, not now. quite as trendy and fashionable <laughs> uh, as they were. Well, uh, and for me, certainly, my belly button isn't where it used to be um, at the age of, <laughs> the age of 21. Uh, so that's uh, that's a thing. Let's talk about genital piercing. Something that I've always found fascinating and um, a bit um, creepy in in equal measure. Um, what type of genital piercings are there and are they growing by popularity I remember it seemed about like 10 years ago everyone was talking about oh like every magazine article would be like you won't believe what this woman's had done mm. she's had uh, this done or that done or he's had this done or that done are they still popular are they growing in popularity? they are popular mm. and it is still very much what you speak about so every now and again cosmopolitan would run an interesting article about people who are more like open about speaking about their kinks or I hate that word or just things that sort of make them feel beautiful or yeah. you know um, so yeah the minute there's an article in any popular magazine I get about 15 phone calls going I really want to do this thing I've never spoken to anyone about it please take me through the process and yeah. can I do this is it excruciating so I think the most popular female gentle piercings would be the first one is the vertical clitoral hood. Yeah. So never ever is the clitoris itself pierced. Let's just put that out there immediately. Okay. It would, it's impossible considering that the clitoris becomes <gasps> engorged with blood and kind of, <gasps> you know, becomes flaccid. And, yeah. You know, y you could never pierce that. So that's a myth and a fallacy and it's not a thing. Okay. So it's always the hood, which is the skin that covers the clitoris itself. Okay. So the vertical one works for all anatomy. Um, the horizontal one, which is more showy, less effective. The, the vertical one, actually, the bar, because it's rigid, would stimulate the clitoris. And is that the purpose of it? I would imagine so. It's also beautiful, you know? Yeah. The same way, like, you'd pierce your belly button and feel, like, really, like, you yeah. want to show it off, yeah. you know? It's the same kind of feeling that you'd have, but but it also is stimulating. I am listening to you. I, I want to bring up on... I want to bring up, just for my... <laughs> so that I know what we're talking about on my phone. Okay. Uh, so, guys, you, you can also play along with this game at home. Uh, so, okay, so that is the vertical... vertical clitoral hood. Clitoral. Or VCH. Hood. The VCH. <laughs> okay. And the picture that I get uh, is of uh, a car bonnet uh, and, and a couple of gentlemen delving into a car bonnet. That is not quite what so I was bizarre. after. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so yeah, so the vertical clitoral hood and then? Then the horizontal clitoral hood, which I wouldn't say always works for everybody. And like I was saying, it's more decorative than anything else. Okay. Um, so you can imagine, whereas the vertical one would have jewellery similar to a navel pierce, piercing bar. Mm, mm. So you'll have a ball on top and bottom. Is, would that be this that I'm looking at here? Yes. No, no, that's a that's Christina. A, that's a very different piece. That's a Christina? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, so the, the VCH is lower down through the hood itself, you know? Okay. Can't find Let's it. Let's see. <laughs> oh, no, that's... <laughs> I'm oh gosh goodness I think I think Google is being very um selective. very selective as to what <laughs> as to what as, yeah as to what we're looking at okay I shall try and picture in my mind's eye okay mm -hmm. so it's pretty much the same placement as a navel piercing just lower and just in front of the clitoris okay yeah okay so then the horizontal one also in that same thin area so yeah so usually pierced with a ring ah, okay yeah yeah um so the same angle, same kind of picture as a nipple ring, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, 
However, you'll find with the art of labia of some women, it's very closed. So you, you won't see it at all. Right. It also kind of tends to push skew often. And sometimes if there's not enough skin or tissue, it can be rejected. Okay. By which I mean it pushes to the surface of the skin yeah. and falls out eventually. Um, the Christina is very popular at the moment. I think that looks awesome. Because it's beautiful. Oh, I think it looks gorgeous. But it's only beautiful. You know, it's really just... It's not for, Yeah, it's yeah, not going to help you in... Do yeah, okay. And once again, it's got the same sort of complications that a navel would. So you'll find your VCH and your HCH, which is through thinner skin, heals a lot faster. And is this all done with a needle? Yeah. Yeah. A big needle. No. So... Generally, the jewelry is 16 gauge or 1.6 millimeter thickness. Yeah. So the same thickness as navel jewelry. Okay. I'm just using that as a reference because I think a lot of people have seen yeah, navel absolutely. jewelry. So. And so, so my memory of the, of the navel piercing, and as I say, it was a really long time. How, I'm 38 now. So it was, my goodness, it was about 20 years Where ago. Where were you? Um, I was in the UK. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was in the UK. Um, and there was, and right around the, 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 round the corner from, from the lecture halls at my university was this tattoo and piercing shop. And it's where everyone went and one morning just sporadically after a lecture I went let's go and get this done and so yes. my mate and I went to go, <laughs> to go and get it done uh, and I remember kind of standing and hyperventilating and it, I mean it was it was it was tolerable it was it was fine actually but there was some sort of tube that went into the thing and the thing and the thing yeah which is really I mean there are different types of needles that are used but I think the tube we're speaking about is the same as what you'd use in a catheter or can you? Exactly. Yeah, so it's, it's needles we've all seen. It's, you know, not scary. People are terrified when they're like, please don't show me the needle. I'm like, you don't have to look at anything. But afterwards, if they are interested, they're always yeah. like, oh, okay, I've seen one of those in a hospital. Listen, or- unless you're getting contortionists coming through the door every five minutes, I'm not <laughs> sure how on earth they're, they're looking and having a piercing at the same time. You'd be amazed what people can do yeah, with their phones. <laughs> no, really. I've been blown away. Like, they actually, they'll be like, oh, I can't watch, but then they'll be filming it, you know. I mean, obviously, we at this point, yeah. it's like, are you sure you want to be filming this? And <laughs> Going live on Instagram, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, and and it's, it was an interesting thing. The other day, a woman actually said to me that it hurt her less watching it through the screen, like, in, like it was just some sort some of disassociation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she was watching what was happening, and it was like watching something that was disembodied and not her and yeah which was quite an interesting concept and then yeah so do you numb it because i i seem to remember some numbing cream being put on my stomach at some point so numbing creams are a bit i mean they exist yeah your common one is called emla you get it over the counter at a pharmacy it's got five percent of some sort of xylocaine or lignocaine in it you know Mm. and honestly you need to put it on the skin and leave it for like 30 to 40 minutes so that it can absorb but we're talking about 5% just of the surface. You right. Know? So psychologically, I think that kind of thing helps. Um, I, we, I do have a particular spray that can be used, but I, I prefer not to use it because it's not necessary. You know, I think a lot of what people go through in order to wear the jewelry, maybe I'm just old school in this way, but it's like it, it is a rite of passage, you know. Yeah. And I think it's important to be like terrified then going through it thinking you can't handle it and then feeling absolutely invigorated and invincible afterwards. You know, I think it's it's such an important process to go through. If you're not feeling anything, what's the point, mm, you know, mm. I think. Um, in terms of um, genital piercings for women, is there is there anyone that shouldn't have them done? Can you have it done uh, if you are having a baby, if you haven't had a baby, if you want to have a baby, if you're going to, if you have it, or all the, the rest of it that requires, I'm talking about vaginal birth, obviously. Yeah. Um, I do feel that during pregnancy, your body should be focusing on growing a human a child, <laughs> a human. Um, I mean, I remember when 
I have a daughter, so I went through that too. But there was a certain point sort of in the last term of my pregnancy where I felt like I wanted to establish myself and be like, reclaim my body, mm, you know, mm. um, which I went and I thought like maybe I can pierce myself or I mean, I was piercing then already. But and then I figured that to wait until it was done so that my body could really focus on that as opposed to like now trying to heal a wound. Yeah. Um and it was actually far more rewarding doing it afterwards because then that process is done and you can kind of mark it with something, you know. But it's not something that would need to be removed in order it for... A, or would removed. it need to be removed? Yeah. To, right. I mean, also it would be very irritated because, you know, now your body has to focus on healing this thing. Mm. Whereas like a lot of... I mean, I, I'm sorry, I don't have all the terminology, but... Um, <laughs> I'd imagine that things are focused in different places. Like often when people fall pregnant, even if they've had piercings for a long time, and I'm not talking about necessarily navels or gentles, yeah. ear piercings, nipple piercings, nose piercings, you'll find they just start flaring up because immediately oh, your body like, sees that as foreign objects foreign, yeah. and starts getting irritated hmm. by it. That's interesting. So, yeah, I would say rather wait until after birth yeah. before yeah. getting things done. Also in case of maybe a cesarean or something, it's going to be an issue if they need to operate, you know. Yeah. It's... So don't do it during pregnancy. If you have it done before, they are like obviously speak to your like doctor, see if they'd be happy with you replacing it with something that's not made of metal. Like okay, it, you know? yeah. So there are various options. Is the healing process for different types of piercing the same? I mean, I remember sort of putting a bit of surgical spirit on the back of my ears and, and something else on my stomach. The thought of putting surgical spirit on my genitals uh, is uh, that is a conversation for another day, I think. So, what, how does one how does one heal and 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 help the healing process? So, it's, I mean, I recommend saline solution for everything. It's it's and it's not about I think that little misunderstanding happened a long time ago when they would use something like like organic things so piercing ears was maybe not coals but maybe like wood that has been you mm, know mm. so the body kind of tries to grow onto it and there's a lot Ooh. of irritation that happens and the alcohol would just dry and kill you mm. know so there was a lot more irritation that was happening and maybe they felt the alcohol worked but yeah. I mean alcohol is a skin irritant anyway it's never going to help anything heal um so yeah, and and the point is not really to kill anything when you're cleaning a piercing. Right. It's really just to remove any excess Harmful, body residue. Yeah. You know? So like any dried blood or any plasma or ooze. Yeah. Let's talk about male piercings. Um, I sent my uh, this time last. I think it was about this time last year. I went to a book festival, uh, and uh, and I sent my friend who lives in England uh, a message. Uh, it was on Instagram, a picture of me saying hanging out in Prince Albert, and he thought that was the, <laughs> literally the funniest thing he'd ever heard. Um, and then I kind of clicked and was like, oh yes, okay. Is that what it's still called? Yes. A Prince Albert. Now what what is that exactly? Which so part the of the penis are you? Prince Albert goes down the urethra. Ooh, okay, yeah. And exits through the gland, well, just below the glands. Um, so basically just under the head. Yeah. And it comes out in this, what would that be, the top of the penis? Yeah. Sorry, I never know because I don't have a penis, but I think I would call <laughs> it the top of the penis. If it's erect, it would be the top of the penis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it comes out next to the little piece of skin that would connect the yeah. glands to the foreskin, which is called the frenulum. Yeah. And it's actually a really popular piercing and they heal spectacularly well. Yes. So I'm going to show you a picture now. Is th This is what would be a Prince Albert. That is a stretch Prince Albert. So the same way we spoke about my ears, my earlobes being yeah. stretched, that's just been stretched as well. Okay, cool. Oh, you really can stretch anything. Yes. <laughs> is that real? That is real. Okay. 
<laughs> people at home going, what is, what's real, SJ? What's real? Just Google Prince Albert. All right. Uh, okay. So is that, um, and then other things, um, like surface piercings. Can you do that on a, on a penis? And this yeah, is a no. weird question. Has anyone ever got erect while you've been doing a piercing? I know that seems like a, possibly a, a very frivolous question. There have, there was one particular client who had quite a few, but he wouldn't only come to me. Like back then there were like three of us at the studio I was working at. And I'm not sure if he was perhaps on medication, but to me it seemed like it was a very mechanical tool that he had. Right. Like his penis was always erect. Like, wow. But it obviously made piercing difficult because there would be blood everywhere. You know, obviously like, so it, yeah. it was a little bit messy but we also we didn't feel that it was disrespectful uh, sure you know, i don't know if it was just how his penis always was or because generally the minute you pull a needle out and you start with the procedure things do things become flaccid i, I, I <laughs> would quickly, imagine i would know. hope so I, I i'm always curious about people who ha who deal with other people's genitals for a living in a non sort of medical way i remember speaking to um to some to a, a beautician once who did who did waxing uh, and i just it, to me it, it's fascinating and she was like you know you, ju you just get so used to it you just get so used to it and i think i'm not sure i could ever just get used to staring another person's genitals in the face every day yeah i mean i think and because what them. i do but i suppose also with waxing that's quite a traumatic experience i mean i think the trauma of what i do overrides the body part you know what i mean so i'm more focused on making the person feel okay that yeah nothing's going to go wrong they're not going to bleed to death they won't lose their genitals you yeah. know which i think is everybody's concern even though they won't voice it necessarily and i guess will what if something happens and it affects my sexual exactly, function exactly. can that happen no i mean obviously anything that is left to become that leads to an infection sure. you know but infections are very very rare and i want to say this loud <laughs> because people call like the word infection so easily but right. generally it's not but um <clears throat> you know i think if things are just not looked after properly and not checked up on and an infection starts yes things can go very wrong so it's not that a case of you could sort of hit a nerve and for and therefore your entire feeling in your genitals is going to be gone forever because i think that's what some people's fear is when i say some people i mean me it could be you know but the, no i mean i i don't feel that can happen i i've I've pierced, I've like also once again, like done bifurcations on penises and just explain again for bifurcations. So you'll be splitting things in half. So you've, you've done that to a yeah. penis. How, here's a question. We had somebody on about, oh, beginning of the year, um, who, uh, who by their own, and this is their own, um, moniker that they've given themselves is the most modified transgender person in the world amazing and yeah um and and, and she's awesome and she uh, what what's the name that she she goes by she's it's and, and uh, it's been a real um kind of catharsis pro cathartic process for for her she had a terribly traumatic um uh, childhood and and this has been i think her like reclaiming herself Absolutely. in a way so she's got the under skin what do you call, kind implants. of raised implants and uh, the her tongue is forked um beautiful are they here no in oh. the states but after the interview i'll show you a picture afterwards Whoa. um just just ex medusa medusa that's okay. what she, so and various and various other things um and my biggest sort of question and concern was well who's doing this mm. i mean there's one thing it seems one thing to sort of put a needle into somebody's body but another thing to um cut your penis in half 
Yeah, I mean, there was one incident where I had to stop because the person had started by themselves and it was, yeah, really out Oh, I actually felt like for the first time I was like, I was questioning what I was doing. I was like, I do not have medical training, you know, which I think obviously comes up often. Yeah. But I've also kind of researched things enough where I'd be like, I'm happy to do this. I'm happy to do these experiments or these, you know, as long as the person understands that it's the first time or whatever. I mean, it's like a surgery. It is like surgery. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to say about like different gentle things. Yeah. Because you were talking about implants. Yeah. And yeah. Um, yes. Implants are amazing. I do beading, which oh. I think dates back to like prison and people putting poles under the skin. Yeah. And it's, I think, my favorite, favorite, like, male gentle modification, just because it is such a simple procedure and it's so beautiful. Like, they just kind of sit and it's just a little skin mound. Wow. Yeah. And obviously, you can imagine how much it would change sensation with a partner or, you know, with penetration. It would yeah, really, yeah. really be an interesting sensation. Like, yeah, to me, that's an interesting modification. Mm. Amazing. Absolutely fascinating. Absolutely. I, d I don't think I'll ever get understand. I don't need to understand because it's none of my business, but why somebody would want to cut their penis in half. I, is it for the aesthetic? Is it for the... Oh, I think there's so many reasons. I mean, the At first one that people... do you think it becomes... do you Self-harm. Self-harm. Wow. Yeah, this is quite a big topic that I always... Because I would always have lengthy conversations with people around these things. And if I feel that they can't really justify their train of thought then I kind of counsel them in a way yeah. to try and steer them away from doing that yeah um, a lot of young people come and they want really extreme procedures because it's you know they saw it on Instagram yeah. or, and I'm like you're 18 years old you have not established what you want to do let's not scar your face you yeah know? yeah it's kind of important so well, but start doing any major alterations to your sex organs that at I, an age where you may not I mean uh, that that to me is an area of concern. I think it has. It it really is something that only becomes apparent when you're working with a person. Mm. You know, if it is about something that they're maybe trying to cut out of themselves or some hatred that you know that's something. I mean, you hear these horror they're... stories about people who, you know, end up sort of trying to hack off a limb because yeah. they feel compelled. I mean, not I mean, quite but is the that same a horror thing. story though, or is it a need to? kind of express something you know so there's so many blurred mm. lines around these things and the thought of self-harm versus actually just reclaiming once again what you would like to live in and how mm. you choose mm. to live in it yeah it's they're always long conversations to be had around yeah. those things yeah it's been absolutely fascinating speaking to you i could speak to you all evening i think it's it's absolutely uh, intriguing um just tell us uh, where you are and where if people want to uh, come and see you uh, and just any advice that you would have just to sum up if people are listening in and considering getting any type of piercing okay so i am based at the body architects <clears throat> which is a lovely studio in claremont in the southern suburbs in cape town um I have a wonderful team, Samantha and Armin. We work together. We really experiment together. Um, and then I work with three tattoo artists as well. So, yeah, it's quite a happy little family and we work really hard and we're always there if you need any advice to chat about anything. Also, yeah, I think the most important thing is just to know that if you do need any help or any advice on piercings, feel free to call our store or just drop me an email. The store's The Body Architects. We're on Instagram. We're on Facebook. We have a website. 
feel free to come chat. Fantastic. There you go. Body architect in uh, in Claremont and my guest uh, in studio this morning, uh, Liesl Ellick, uh, who is the uh, co-owner of uh, that establishment uh, and Facebook, Instagram, website, etc. Thanks, Liesl. Thank you so much.